This is the Christian Life Center weekly podcast. Visit us online at MissoulaChurch.com. Today we're going to continue to talk about, uh, we've been through a series, in a series, through the book of Romans, and this is number three. So if you are new, you can go back to our Facebook, our YouTube channel, and you can catch up with us, or you can just start where we are, because uh, it's great, and, and, and it doesn't matter if you've missed anything, you can still follow along. And we're, so we're going through the book, uh, highlight points of the book of Romans, and, and we know that Romans was written by this, this guy named Paul, and uh, he intended, his whole intention of writing this letter was to bring clarity to, to a church that was in the midst of chaos in the city of Rome. And Paul writes this letter, and, and many refer to it as the gospel of Paul because it, because it takes the life of Christ, Christ that we see in the first gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and it takes what we see about the life of Christ, and now it applies everything that Jesus was to how we should live and what we should do. And so you got this book, this, this, this book of Romans, 16 chapters, packed full of doctrine. Uh, but not only that, I, I, when I read through the book of Romans, I just find it to be an intense book. There's a lot of intensity in this book. And so I've been giving you these, these declaration, these I am statements. And, and uh, I'm a little nervous because I was with my wife yesterday and, and, and I probably shouldn't say this, but I've gone too far. So I'm gonna say it anyway. But um, I was with her yesterday and, and, and I said, hey, I'm, what do you think the I am statement is this week? And she said, I don't know what the first two I am statements were, I already forgot. I'm like, get out. Like, if you forget, how can I expect them to, f- to remember, right? Like, you're my wife, gosh. Anyway, she remembered them. She ca- it came back to her memory. Um, just, but, but we talked about the first week was, I am unashamed of the gospel. I hope you're still unashamed of the gospel. And then last week we talked about, I am done with excuses because of the wrath of God, because of the creation of God, because of the sacrifice of Jesus we are done with excuses. We are going to live how God has called us to live without excuse. And so today I'm excited to just unpackage another I am with you. And if you have your Bibles or if not, it'll be on the screen. But Romans chapter three starts in verse 25. And this is what it says. It says, God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He, and it goes on, it says, he did this to demonstrate his righteousness because of his forbearance. He had left the sins committed before unpunished. The sins before, they didn't punish them. He did it to, to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time as to be just, as to be just and one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. So we hear this, this amazing talk that Paul starts out and what he's basically doing is he's giving us this central theme. He's talking about atonement. We talked about atonement last week, which means payment. It was paid for. And so we see this central theme rising up in Romans for us today. And when we flip back to Romans 1 and verse 17, it goes a little deeper to us. And again, he's, Paul goes on and writes, it's for in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed right? A righteousness that is by what? Faith. A righteousness is real by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. 
So maybe you're getting it this morning, but here's your third I am statement as we go through the book of Romans. It's simply this, I am living by faith. I'm living by faith. When people ask me all the time, or maybe they ask you, what is Christianity all about? Like, what is this thing called Christianity? And we can just simply reply, it's living by faith. Christianity is living by faith. I don't have to go by what I see. I don't have to go by what I feel. I don't have to go by what the culture says out there in the world. I live my life by faith. And so when I think about faith, the best way I can illustrate is I think maybe you can identify with this, but, but I think about, about passwords and, and maybe uh, you're, the, you're like me and you have some of those frustrations as we have all these accounts that we have to have as we do things online now. And every one of those accounts requires a password, but many times we have 20 different accounts and each one of them has to have a different type of password. You ever notice that? So you're responsible to remember all these different passwords because each one comes up and says, well, okay, uh, this password requires you to have a capital letter, but this account requires you not to use a capital letter. This account requires you to have this special symbol, but this account requires you, doesn't want you to use this special symbol. And you're like, ah, right? And for some reason, here's, a, here's my thought. For some reason, somebody hasn't been smart enough to come up with a plan. This is your opportunity to get rich this morning. Here's the plan. Why can't we just get everyone in the same room? Like get all the social media people in the same room, get all the credit card companies in the same room, all the email groups in the same room, all your banks leaders in the same room and tell them you can't leave until you're done. And here's what you have to do. Let's bring them all in the same room and say, hey, 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 why don't you guys come up with like a central standard for all passwords? Like, wouldn't that be kind of cool? Like, they all be the same length. They all require the same usable symbols. And, and, and so that everyone can go from 20 different passwords to one. Wouldn't that be awesome? Like, wouldn't that be a great idea? It just makes sense. I mean, recently I, op- I literally opened a new account on something that required a password and I'm putting in my usual passwords. This is a true story. I'm putting in my usual passwords and it just kept saying, deny, can't deny, deny, deny. And I'm like, Finally, I looked at the fine print of the password requirement and it says your password must have 25 characters. And I'm like, I don't think I have anything in my life that's that long. Like I went and started naming my family, Heath, Kim, Rachel, Brayden. I'm still not at 25. And if you think you can go into my accounts, but that's not my password I use. So you're not gonna hack me or anything like that. So, so I, I think about it like, like, I, I, last week I showed you some, some memes, right? If you know what a meme is, you know, something on, on our social media accounts. That, and I thought this could relate today. Maybe you could identify with some of these, but like, here's the first one. Like, you ever been to this place before? Uh, on the screen, please. On the screen, there we go. Hey, so enters password, incorrect password, incorrect password, incorrect password. Reset password, new password cannot be your old password. Anybody ever been there before? Like, oh my gosh. If you have, if your parents and you have kids, right? Here's great advice for your kids. I love it because I identify, right? Gets a new puppy. You can name her whatever you like, but be sure it's something you can remember because you'll be using it as a security question answer for the rest of your life. How many identify with that? Like, what was your first pet's name, right? Here's one. The last one I think is just kind of funny. I just thought it was kind of, but I changed all my passwords to incorrect. That's my password now. So when I forget my password, it will say your password is incorrect, all right? <laughs> That'll just help you out. I'm just trying to give you some tools, all right? 
but it's true. The idea that there is so many passwords to get into so many accounts. And this is exactly what kind of what Paul's addressing. Like Paul's addressing this when it comes to, to all the things of God. He says, listen, you don't, you don't need 20 million things. There is one central thing in your life that gives you connection, that gives you access to everything that God has for you. And it's called faith. It's the access point. In fact, I wrote this way. If you're taking notes, everything of significance in God's kingdom is accessed through faith. What, through faith, it's believing. Like it's one password and the password is faith. So, so, if, so if you want something from God in your life, if you want a healthier marriage, if you want a fulfilled, purposeful life, if you want to experience God's blessing, then you have to understand that everything is accessed through faith. And for us, it's important that we understand uh, what faith is and how important faith is to God. In fact, when we look at Romans, Romans literally talks about faith. It, it gives us this, this idea of faith is actually mentioned 270 times in the book of Romans. Like it's just that important. It's as if to say, you know, this is supposed to be the central thing, the central theme. Everything in Christianity is about faith. And so the question for us this morning is, well, what is faith? And, and Hebrews, the Hebrews writer kind of spells it out if you know anything, the familiarity of scripture, but it just simply says this in Hebrews 11. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So we all have things that we're hoping for and the assurance of those things can be found in faith. But, but, but many times we don't see it. Many times we can't always feel it. In fact, most of the times it's not even what faith would, or what facts would tell us. We can't always go by the facts, but you're able to hold on to it because you're gonna say, I trust God in this, no matter what I see, no matter what the facts say and no matter what I feel. So let me break it down. Let me give you a definition, man. This is gonna be so profound. This is probably the deepest definition of faith that you've ever, ever seen in your life. Here it is. You know what? Here's the definition of faith. Faith is belief. Isn't that deep? Come on, let's go home. Faith is deep. I I, I mean, it's that deep. Faith is belief. It's just trust. It's just simply saying, I believe that. I believe and I trust that. I trust who God is. It says, I'm gonna put my trust, my belief in a God that is bigger than I am, a God that is greater than I am, and a God who is in control of my life. And so I'm gonna challenge you today, this morning, to live by faith. Because hear me, faith doesn't deny facts. Like we wanna say, well, I don't care about the facts. Well, faith doesn't deny facts. There's so much of the world though that, that wants to challenge us. Well, look at the facts first. Look at the facts. Like don't, don't put your hope in faith. What does the facts say? But hear me, I want you to get this church. Let's ground ourselves. Faith doesn't deny facts. Here's what faith does. Faith denies that the facts that we know are the final authority. Let me read that again. Faith does not deny fact. Faith denies that facts, the facts that we know are the final authority. I I hope you're okay that that God is the final authority. So many people, well, that's just what's gonna happen. Well, 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 that's the final authority. That's what the the facts say. And I would say to you, no, 
we need to remember that despite the facts, we have a greater authority and his name is Jesus Christ. In spite of the facts, if God speaks, he can do the impossible. In spite of the difficulty, in spite of what it feels like, in spite of what it sounds like, and definitely in spite of the facts. The fact may be that you have a cancer diagnosis, but the faith is, in spite of that, God can still heal you. That's just the difference. Faith is so important because the Hebrews writer even goes on after he gives us this definition. This is what he says in Hebrews eleven six: Without faith, it's impossible to please God. That's how important faith is. You literally cannot please God without faith. If you wanna live a life that pleases God, if you wanna live a life that makes him happy, then you've gotta lean into faith. You gotta have faith in him. And so I wrote down this way, right? God is pleased when we trust him. He's actually happy. I mean, you actually trust me. Yay, you're gonna get a pat on the back from God when you trust him. And so if you wanna please God, you learn to trust him. But here's the kicker. You learn to trust him in the good times and then the big capital A-N-D and the bad times. In other words, you trust him at all times. We gotta lean into that because we are required, you and I, if you wanna live a life to please God, you are required to live by faith. So in the next three minutes, I want to give you real quickly a little church history lesson. And some of you, when you heard me say that, you're like, awesome, I love that, all the teachers in the room. And then there's some of you are like, yeah, no, no, you don't have to do that, Pastor. I don't need a history lesson, I'm good, all right? I'm gonna give it to you anyway. Because the reality is this, for a few moments, I think it's important that we understand how central faith is to whatever we do. And not only how central faith is to our personal lives, but how central faith is to Christianity and how central faith was to building the church and building the church of today. So here we go. 2,000 years ago, AD 33, right? This is Jesus comes on us. Jesus is crucified on the cross. He's buried for three days. He's resurrected. We're gonna celebrate that in just about a month. Uh, He ascends into heaven. And then this wonderful thing happens, the birth of the church in the upper room at the day of Pentecost. Holy Spirit falls, the church's birth. It's an exciting times. In fact, when you do the math, I thought about this, like you realize that in nine years, we are gonna come together and throw a crazy 2000 year birthday party for the start of the church, right? It's gonna be awesome. So the church exists for about, it exists now, it has about 300 years, but in that 300 years, uh, we find it very gritty. There's different scenarios. There's lots of, of persecution going on. They're just scattered everywhere. They're trying to figure out who they are. They're trying to just simply survive. And then something really crucial happens. This day comes apart. It's in 325 where they have this council of Nicaea and it's organized by the Roman emperor, Constantine. So Constantine, his mom was a Christian. She gets converted. And because of that, he finds Christ. He becomes a Christian. And and it's like the first emperor, the first ruler of the time who's now given his life to Jesus. And he's the first one who actually legalizes Christianity. And this is a big deal because he, it immediately ended all the persecution that the church was going through. They could finally come back together from being scattered all over the place. And they began to form this thing that we know as the church. 
our doctrines and our beliefs. And they're at this council in Nicaea and they begin to map out a lot of the doctrines that you and I still believe are crucial for us today. Things like the doctrine of the Trinity or the doctrine of atonement, the the doctrine of the divinity of Christ, all these important things. In fact, actually it was not right after this council where they actually solidified the 27 books of the New Testament. All this 300 years after Jesus. So here we go, they're in this history lesson, there 700 years, for about 700 years, the church is thriving. It's doing amazing until, until the year 1054. The 1054, we have the great schism, which is where the Eastern Orthodox Church and the Western Catholic Church split, right? Now, let me just pause here. Some of you are looking at me and I'm like, I'm just gonna encourage you, right? You're gonna be on a trivia game show at some point. And, and, right, and they're gonna ask you, what year was the great schism? And you're gonna be like, I know the answer. And you're gonna win a million dollars. And you're gonna give the first 10% back to the church. And you're gonna give the other 10% to your pastor because he helped you know this answer. So here we have this first big split of the Eastern Orthodox Church and the Catholic Church, they're split. There's a lot of reasons that go in, but the main reasons, the two big reasons they split was because of a church leadership and an argument over how we do communion. And so they split. And so for the next season, there is just darkness in the church. In fact, you know how your life has moments where it's like you have really good parts of your life and then there's those dark parts of your life. And usually those dark parts of your life, you don't want anyone to know about. Well, well, that's what's going on here is that this is part of church history that you just don't want to know about. It's during the Middle Ages and, and, and during the Middle Ages, we know there's a lot of things happening, but one of the things happening is these things called crusades, these wars, these holy wars that are happening all across the, the country or Europe at the time. And, and, and during the Middle Ages, and, and we're seeing manipulation that's happening, really bad leadership in the church. And it leads to these things in the church called indulgences. And what is an indulgence? So here's what's happening. These indulgences is where basically they say church leadership would say to you, hey, you've got sin in your life. You've messed up. You're away from God. So somebody who has a bishop or above could say to you, hey, if you do this for me, if you do this one thing for me, money, whatever it may be, you do this for me, your sins will be wiped away. So you you do these things for me, I can pardon your sins. I can take those things away. In fact, this is literally how they recruited people to fight in the crusades. Men didn't want to fight it. Who wants to go to the front line and fight for something you don't? But they told them, if you will go fight, your sins will be forgiven. We'll forgive your sins. So this is like a really dirty, dark part of church history. You see these things called penances coming up where if you just do enough good things, right, you'll get a place in heaven. And how many of you know, right, being good doesn't outweigh your bad. <laughs> There's just no way. So, so now and, and there's this, this, this history's happened until a guy steps on the scene by the name of Martin Luther. This guy named Martin Luther steps on, he's this priest and he, he's made a decision looking through this stuff and he's like, man, this, this stuff doesn't line up. This stuff is crazy that we're seeing in the church today. And so, and you might ask yourself, well, why, why aren't people making that decision for themselves? Well, here's the reality. Why couldn't they look through the Bible and say, hey, this is wrong what the church is doing. You gotta understand during this time, the Bible, they didn't have it in their language. 
So they had to depend on these leaders to interpret it the way they would want to interpret it to them. So Martin Luther steps on the scenes and he steps up and he says, hey, this is not okay. So about 1517, Martin Luther does this thing. We call it nails the 95 theses to the door of the church. And it starts this thing called the Protestant Reformation. And basically what he's saying is like all this doctrine, these things, these indulgences, these, these penances, all these things you're doing, they're wrong. They're absolutely wrong. And why that's important to us right now is because the central theme of this, all this idea of these things are wrong, Martin Luther Fine is, is really led and launched from the book of Romans. Reading Romans is like, this is wrong. It launched what we call the Protestant Reformation. It was this protest against the church saying, hey, I think we got this wrong. And what we've got wrong is we are making it about works, but everything we read in scripture is about faith. It's about believing. So the faith is the access to God, not the works. Hear me, church. There's probably some of you sitting here today that might even feel like, well, if I just do enough good things, God will love me. Nope. You know how God loves you? Because you believe in him, because you have faith in him. It's still a battle many people have today. And I'm gonna be Martin Luther for a moment, uh, even though, no. But I, I just wanna say this, there's not enough good you can do. You can't walk enough people across the road to gain access to what God has for your life. It's given to you by faith and faith alone, by believing in him alone. And that's your history lesson. But here's why faith is important. This is the foundation that we wanna build on today. Let me give it to you real quick. Number one, faith is important because you know what? Faith is a gift. Faith is a gift. I didn't wrap this by the way, even though it looks pretty. Uh, my wife did. But faith is a gift. It's an amazing gift. And, and I don't know about you, but I'll just be speak for me. I love gifts. I'm a big gifts guy. I, I love getting gifts. It just makes me happy. But isn't it interesting if you think about it? Because think about this. The true definition of a gift is that you didn't pay for it. That's what a true definition of a gift is you didn't pay for it. You didn't work for it. Like if you worked for it, it's called wages, not a gift, right? It means it was your job that you put in. And I can't speak for you, but when you get paid, most of us don't go up to your boss and say, thank you for that gift, you're like, nah, you owe me. <laughs> I worked for, for this. This is mine. But, but when it's a gift, it's given to you despite of your work. It's just free. It's just given to you. And that's why like when my kids give me Christmas presents to me, I realize they aren't gifts. Come on, parents. You know what I'm talking about. Like, daddy, look what I got you. You're like, you didn't give me anything. Like I bought it. My money bought what you picked out for me. And I didn't even like what you picked out for me. And I bought it and I was supposed to be like, oh, thank you. I'm joking. But so, so faith, the Bible tells us is a gift, right? Romans 12, three says this, for by the grace given me, I say to everyone, everyone, uh, everyone of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. 
Get this, guys. The very faith we have that pleases God, guess where it comes from? God. Isn't that kind of weird? Like God says, I want you to have faith, but faith comes from God. It's bizarre because we, we need faith to honor God, but the faith we need to honor God comes from God. It's kind of like messed up a little bit. Like, hey, God, we want to live for you, but we can't live our lives for you until you give us faith to live our life for you. It's a gift from God. Again, Paul writes it to the church at Ephesus. He says in Ephesians 2.8, even better, for it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. And this is not from, uh, from yourselves. Guess what it says? It is a gift from God. God gives us this gift, this faith, so that we can now put our faith in him. It's an awesome gift. But the question for us this morning is, how do we get that gift? If you're that person, or maybe you're that person that says, how do I get more of that gift? Well, the Bible tells it to us. Let me show it to you, Romans 10, seven. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. Here's what that means. Every time you hear something about the truth of God, what happens is it puts faith inside of you. Listen, hear me. By the way, that, that's why it's so important that if you know someone who doesn't know God, the best place you can bring them is to church. Because here's what happens, right? Because if they don't have faith, but they get to come here and hear about God, guess what's happening? Faith is going to be deposited inside of them. From that, they can respond from that faith and say, I'm gonna put my faith now in this awesome God because faith comes from hearing. It comes from hearing. In the first service, no one knew this. And I was like, man, we, we need Jesus bad. But when I grew up, there was a little song we learned in VBS and Sunday school. It was, oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. For the Father of above is looking down with love. Oh, be careful, right? If you don't know this song, we're gonna, I'm going to teach Pastor Brent this. Lead us in that. Because the reality is, listen, it's, faith comes from hearing, which, by the way, is why it's so important to what you are listening to. What are you listening to? That's why we don't listen to everything that, that's out there today. Are you with me? Because our hearing dictates our lives and what you're hearing is either building fear in your life or it's building faith. Which one are you building right now? Fear or faith? Which one are you? What are you watching? What are your ears listening to, right? I I believe this. I don't think we should find it ironic all the headlines you see in the world today. Maybe God is saying to us, hey, people, have some faith to believe me for your life. Have some faith to believe me. God wants to deposit faith in your life before you go through some of the difficulties that you're gonna face in your life. And that's why it's important that we, what and who we listen to. I wrote down this way. The more you hear God, the more faith is deposited in your life from God. So who do we wanna listen to today? That's so important. I wanna fill my ears with faith and get it deposited into my life so that I can live at a greater level for Jesus. In fact, that's why we do, that's why we encourage you so much in our church. Hey, serve, find a place to serve. Like, like we need people to serve first service nursery. There's nothing worse. We had visitors today who had kids and we couldn't put, they couldn't put their kid in the nursery because we didn't have anybody. 
Like, that's not who we want to be. Like, we need people to serve. Like, like we, that's why we say, hey, we want to go to grow you. We need to build, go be a part of that. That's why we tell you, find deeper ways to get involved into the community of, of the church. Because here's what I realize. I, you will realize without even knowing it that your faith is being filled up when you do these things. Like your faith tank is being filled all along. And then you can go out into the world and you can see obstacle after obstacle and challenge after challenge. And, and normally we walk into those obstacles and those challenges and they would, they, would bring, they would make us fearful and timid and broken. But now, because we're full of faith, now we can walk into those obstacles and we can walk into those challenges stronger and confident because your faith says, greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. My faith is being built up. It's walking in faith because God gave it to me. It's a gift that God has put beside each and every one of us. So maybe you're sitting here today and you're watching online or something and, and you just say, you know, pastor, I would just wish, I'm hearing you, but I just wish God would speak to me. I just wish God would talk to me. And if you've ever felt like that or you felt frustrated that, that God hasn't spoken to you, can I just say something to you? Can I give you some practicality? If you're looking for a word from God, can I tell you the easiest way to do that is just open your Bible? Because the, how many know the Bible has 720,000 words available for you to listen to? Open your Bible, allow it to get inside of you. God absolutely has something he wants to speak to your life. And if you, if you ever feel empty or you feel lacking or you feel f- confused, get God's word inside of you because faith is a gift. He wants to give it to you. He wants to encourage you. Let me get to number two. I think this, I'm gonna live by faith because here's the thing, faith is a key. I have one key here. Faith is a key. The idea that there is one password, there is one key to access all that God has for your life. Faith is that key. Faith is that access to get you. Let me show you this way. Romans chapter three, verse 22 says this, this righteousness has given, uh, is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So let me tell you what that means. Those, that big, those big words, it, here's what it means, simplicity. It doesn't matter your race. It doesn't matter your age, your background, whether you're poor or wealthy, whether you're married, single, divorced, every single one of us in this room are fallen, broken, and in need of a savior. No matter who you are, you're in need of a savior. But here's the good news. All of us through faith can access Jesus Christ. No matter who you are, you can access him through Jesus Christ. Listen to what verse 24 says. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. What do we have access to? What what do we have access to because of faith? Let me give you a couple real quick. Here's what you have access to. This great big theological word. It'll be on the screen called justification. You have access to justification. And you're like, okay, (laughs) What is justification? Well, here's what justification is simply, I love it. Here's what justification, simplicity. It's just simply this, just as if I have never sinned. That's what justification means. It's just like you never have sinned before. 
Think about it. You came to Jesus with all your sins, with all your mess. We come to him with all of our baggage. And here's what happens. He forgives you as if you never happened in the first place. Like it never happened. Why is this important? Because if you're the one in this room today, remembering your sins, if you're the one in the room remembering your sins, guess what? You're the only one. You're the only one. God's already forgiven them. He's already forgotten them. You're the only one putting yourself in that place. Uh, They may be in your mind like, well, you know, I messed up here and I messed up there, but they may be in your mind, but I wanna encourage you, they're not in God's mind today. Justification is like you've never sinned before. I, I brought this this morning. This little, I don't even remember Etch-a-Sketches. Do you remember Etch-a-Sketches? Like, you know, little dials. Like, that's what I had when I was growing up. Like, if I wanted to play and draw something, I had to work for it. Now the, we're, we create things for lazy kids, all right? So, um, and so, I, so it's not an Etch-a-Sketch, right? It's just a nice little easy magnetic thing. But, 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 but uh, this, is, this is really cool. And so, so this, is, this is available to us. So let's just pretend, hopefully you can see this, but I wrote this big word, Sin. And this is us. Like we all sin, we all mess up and we carry this with us all the time. We just carry it around. It's heavy, it's burdensome. We have this sin, we're always carrying it with us. It goes everywhere we go and and all those types of things. And what happens is, as you and I, we put our hope, we put our trust, we put everything, our faith in Jesus, right? And we come to Jesus with our sins, we put our faith, like, I don't want, that. and here's the thing, uh, he does, Jesus doesn't come to you and look at your sin and go, okay, well, all right, uh, here's what I'll do. I, 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 I'll get rid of, there we go. You're still in, all right? Like, that's not how justification, that's not how G- faith in Jesus works. That's not how forgiveness and justification of sin works. You know what? It actually, it, it takes a whole different thing. Justification is, is you come to him, Jesus, I need your help. I need to get rid of my sins. And here's what he says. I'm gonna erase it as far as the east is to the west. The sin is gone. He takes it all away. It's a blank slate. It, it doesn't have to be with you anymore. You are completely healed. You are completely forgiven. It's blank, it's gone. It's you and I that carries around, not him. He remembers your sins no more. How many are thankful that you're forgiven this morning? Come on, right? I hope you're, I hope you're thankful. We, it is forgotten. And that's why Paul writes to us. He says, hey, therefore there's now no more condemnation. It's gone from your life. You are in Christ Jesus. Why? Because my sin doesn't dictate who I am anymore. I'm new. It's gone. I'm forgiven. I'm made whole. I'm a new creation. I don't have to carry that around anymore. You have access to God because of your faith. You have access through that. Galatians writes it this way. Paul writes again, you know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Christ Jesus. You're not justified by something that you do. If you've been told that, you've been given bad theology. It's not about what you do. You're not forgiven because you did something and you checked the box. No, no, no. It's not about something. You are forgiven by some, not by something you do. It's about believing in Jesus. It's about believing in what he did and what he said he will do. That's what wipes the the slate clean. We have access to him because of justification and we also have access because of righteousness. Now, I'm not gonna spend a lot of time on righteousness because we're gonna talk about that in the series, but but let me tell you what righteousness means. Righteousness simply means right standing with God, right standing. 
So you and I, I hope not, but maybe you and I could get mad at each other. We can get in an argument. We can get in a fight with each other. And then at some point we can say, well, I forgive you and you forgive me and we forgive each other and we're all good. But that doesn't mean that we're probably gonna or possibly could be good friends. Probably doesn't mean that, you know, we're gonna, you know, go have coffee and hang out with one another, but we've forgiven each other. Here's the difference. Here's the difference between forgiveness and righteousness. Forgiveness means you're clean, you're fresh start. Righteousness means now you're in right relationship. It's not just like, well, we forgive each other, but now not only do we forgive each other, but we're together. We're with one with each other. Everything is right now. There's nothing left over. This is given to us because of faith, because of what you believe. We sometimes think, well, now, okay, I'm gonna follow God, so let me start my checklist, right? Like, I gotta clean my life up. I gotta, and some of that's true, but, but we think we live off that. Well, I gotta clean my life up. I gotta make everything okay between me and God. Listen to me, that's not true. You are given righteousness. And by getting righteous, you are in right relationship with God. Let me show you out of um, Romans again, Romans chapter four, starting at verse two. I love what it says here. It says, if in fact Abraham was justified by works, he had something to boast about, but not before God. So, so real quick, Abraham, I'm not gonna go through the whole thing, but Abraham was, you know, they're known as the father of faith. And absolutely, he could have walked around, look at me, I'm a big deal. I'm the father of faith. Uh, you know, I'm important. But, but Paul reminds us, not before God. You're not, you're not in right relationship with God because you're called the father of faith. He goes on and he says this, what does scripture say? Verse three, Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Righteousness became because he had faith, Right? He had faith, he believed God. And because he believed in God, because he had faith in God, he's now in right relationship with God. And I think it shows us this, the morning church. If you wanna please God in this room today, if you wanna make God happy, you have to trust him. You have to believe him. You gotta put your faith in him. And Paul takes it and applies it to us. He goes on in verse 23 in Romans chapter, 20, or chapter four, right? And he goes on, he says this, the words, it was credit to him, were written not for him alone, not for him alone. And you may say, well, Pastor Heath, who was it written for? I'm glad you asked. Because verse 24 says, but also to us, to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him, who raised Jesus, who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead. The same right relationship that Abraham had, Abraham was literally called a friend of God. That same relationship, guess what? You and I can have with God. He can be your friend, not because of your works, not because of who you are, because of what you've accomplished in life, simply because you believe in him, simply because you have faith in him. It's not your behavior, church, it's your belief. Righteousness is attained not because of something you do, but because of what he already did for us. That's how you get righteousness. I wrote down this way. Our righteousness has nothing to do with how I feel. It has to do with what he did. It's not about how I feel, it's about what he did. And so many people carry these thoughts around like, I think God's mad at me. Or they carry these thoughts around. I, I mean, obviously I look at my life. I must be God's least favorite person in the world. Can I say, it's not about what you 
feel. It has everything to do with what he did for you. And the good news is what he did was enough. The good news is, is what he did was sufficient to pay for whatever you and I have done. It's just that good. So there's one more thing. Like we have access to justification. We have access to righteousness. And then the, the other one he gives us is he gives us access to grace. He gives you grace. And and I got to say this, we've messed this word grace up so bad in our world today and our faith. We've made grace like, I've messed up, God, give me some more grace, right? You know, it's like Popeye and spinach, right? I'm weak, give me some more grace, God, I just need grace. The dog ate my homework, teacher, I need grace. And then we connect that mentality with God. God, I've messed up again. I need more grace. That's not what grace is. In the scripture, grace is not, I've messed up, God, help me out. Here's the definition of grace. It'll be on the screen. Grace is the empowerment to live for God. The empowerment to live for God. What did the scripture say? We're saved by grace through faith. Life doesn't change on its own. Well, I'll just hope it'll change. If I do enough things, it'll change. You have to have power through faith to see change in your life. And everything that God wants you to do, he gives you a grace. He gives you a power to do it. Again, going to Romans chapter five, verse one, I love what he says. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. So church, real quick, as we, we wrap up today, let me, let me break it down. You, you put your faith in Jesus, you're justified. It's like you've never sinned, your slate is wiped clean, you're forgiven. You go through, or, or you put your faith in Jesus and you get righteousness, right? You immediately put, you put your hope and faith in you're in right standing with God. He is your friend, you're his friend. And then you go through difficult seasons in your life. And in the midst of those difficult seasons, you put your faith in God. And you know what he does? He gives you grace. He gives you grace. He gives you the power to make it through a difficult season. And I'm not naive enough to know there are probably people in this room today that are in a difficult season. And I just want you to know, God gives you the grace to get through that season. By the way, the same grace that saved you is the same grace uh, that sustains you no matter what you're going through in life. And I wrote down this way, and if you're taking notes, if you're not taking notes, this is what I want you to grab or anything else. Get this, grace is not a pass to sin. Grace is power to live free. It's not a pass to sin. It's a power to live free. Well, just grace just lets me do what I want. No, grace gives you the power to live a free life. So sometimes I have to ask God for more grace. Absolutely, man, my kids are driving me up a wall. God, give me some grace, right? Like my, my coworkers, my job, I need grace, God. Uh, sometimes we just need grace for people, but really maybe you're going through a season and you just need grace. And when you're struggling, you ask God for that amazing grace, not to just make it through, but to give you an empowerment to say, I can live the life that God has called me to live. I can be the person that God's called me to live because of grace. As I close today, let me give you this. Faith, faith is a gift, right? Faith is a key. Let me give you the last one. Faith is, how about this? Faith is a muscle. I'm kind of upset because I think 
Pastor Matt thinks this is all the weight that I can handle and carry this morning. That's what he gave me. Have you ever had moments, some of you, it's maybe even been a week. Maybe for other of you, maybe it's been two weeks. Have you ever had, or maybe some of you, it's been two decades that you've been out of the gym, okay? You've been out, you'll get that later, right? <laughs> some of you are like, what's a gym? You know who you are, right? <laughs> but how many know when you get back to the gym, it's painful? Like it, it hurts, like you feel like I'm getting back, I'm, I'm working these muscles and you're getting back and, it, and you think to yourself, it's hurting you. But how many know it's actually helping you? It's helping you. It's like you're just working something out that hasn't been worked out in a really, really long time. And when you go through those difficult seasons, you need to know God did not bring you into those times to destroy you. No, God doesn't wanna destroy you. He brings us through difficult trials to develop a faith, to develop a faith muscle, to help us to believe for something better than what we are experiencing right now. So that when you get through it, guess what happens? And some of you can experience this. You've walked through a trial and you know when you walked through that trial and you came out of it, guess what you were on the other side? Stronger. And you go through a trial and you, you work that faith muscle. God, I'm gonna believe you. I'm gonna, I know you're gonna get me through this. And you work that faith muscle and you make it out. And guess what happens on the other end? You're stronger. And not only are you stronger, now you can look at others and say, let me tell you what God did for me. Let me tell you what my faith did for me. And if he did it for me, guess what? He can do it for you. It's building that faith muscle. I'm stronger now. I remember, I remember like my parents required us when we started working to tithe, like we had to give our 10%. Like, I, like even if someone gave us a dollar, my parents were like, 10 cents. Like 10, what's that, what does God care about 10 cents? You know, and it was frustrating. I remember getting that first check and I knew I had to give that 10%. And I, and I remember sitting there watching the plate, a few rows ahead, I'm like, oh, like cringing. Like, I don't wanna give my money up. But here's what I literally found happening, even as a kid, that like, I started just working that faith muscle. And I found that like, it became easier and easier to give God that money. In fact, it got to the point all these years later where actually it's a joy to give that money. It worked the faith muscle inside of me. And I wanna encourage you when you are going through things, you and I have to make a choice to exercise our faith. It's a muscle to say, I am going to depend I'm not gonna depend on how I feel. I am not gonna depend on, on what I see. I'm, in fact, I'm not even gonna go with all the facts. Here's what I'm gonna do. I'm not gonna ignore all the facts. I'm going to ignore that the facts don't have the final authority. The facts don't have the final authority. God does. Again, going back to Romans chapter four as we close up today. Verse 18, he's writing here. And he said, against all hope, against all hope, Abraham in hoped, in hope believed. And so because the father of many nations, just that has been said to him, so shall your offspring be. It's an amazing thing that's happening here. What did he do against all hope? What did Abraham do against all hope? You know what he did? He believed, he had faith. 
Hey, listen, if you're in the room today against, against the bad doctor's report, you can still believe. Against what's going on in your life right now, you can still believe. No matter what the bank account says or where you're at, you can still believe. Have faith in God. Have faith in God and you will find that muscle getting stronger. Abraham became the father of many nations. And why is that important? Because he had no kids. And here's God telling him, you're gonna be, you're gonna get an offspring. You're gonna have a child. You're gonna have a good. And I know all of us in here go, okay, let's go do the gender reveal. And like, you know, let's celebrate this. But for Abraham, that's a great promise to give a 22-year-old, not a promise you give a 100-year-old. And God's telling him at 100, hey, guess what? You're gonna be, have an offspring. You're gonna be the father of many nations. And I think Abraham's like, wait, wait, hey, God, do you know biology? Like, like we old and we're gonna have kids. But despite the facts, guess what he did? He believed who? He believed God. Despite the facts, he believes God. And he goes on, he writes this, he says, without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was about a hundred years old and that Sarah's womb was also dead. But catch what he goes on, he says, yet, 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 yet. He did not waver through unbelief. I, I just, I, I feel the same thing I felt in the, se- the first service, but I, I, would, I wanna speak something I don't always do, but I wanna speak prophetically of you. The Lord, it wasn't even my notes. The Lord just shared with me. I, I just feel like so many of us are wavering right now. Like you're doing everything right. You, and some of you doing it, you would you'd be solid Christians. Like we probably have a picture of you hanging in our church somewhere but yet you're wavering. You're wavering in your faith. And it says that in the midst of the most crazy news, you're gonna have a kid at 100 years old. It doesn't say, he said he didn't waver, he believed. And my, my, my fear is maybe some of you are here today, you, you say you believe in God, you demonstrate it, but if we really got to the core of your belief, you're wavering. Is God who he says he is? can he do what he says he can do? And I'm here to tell you this morning, the answer is absolutely. You can have faith. You can have faith in God. It says to Abraham, he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God. Are you, are you wavering in the promise of God over your life? But not only was he not... Not only was he not wavering, but because he didn't waver, guess what happens? It says he was strengthened in his faith. And guess what he did? Mm. He gave God the glory. Gave God in, in the midst of some weird facts, he still gave God the glory, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Church, Are you persuaded this morning that God has the power to do what he's promised to do in your life? Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Against all odds, he believed it. I love it. This is a life following Jesus that no matter what comes our way, he has given me grace and the power to go through it and to experience it. So I'll give you this. Here's, here's my challenge for you today. It'll be on the screen. 
Faith is either exercised or limited. Which one is it? Which one is it for you? Faith is either going to be exercised or limited. Exercise says, God, I'm going to keep trusting God. I'm going to keep trusting you, Lord. Even when the facts don't line up, even when it don't feel it the way I feel it or see it out of way I don't see it, I still exercise this muscle called faith to believe. Or you could choose to eliminate. Say, hey, God, I'm going to do my own thing. I'm going to go my own way. But here's what I wrote on the screen today. Every time you choose to trust God, especially in a difficult circumstance, you strengthen your faith. Your faith gets strong. And you may be here this morning and you're in a valley moment, man. You're in an indecisive moment right now and it is difficult. I'm telling you with all faith and all honesty, you choose to trust God and I promise you, your faith is gonna get strengthened and you're gonna see it and you're gonna see him, right? Because I, again, I, I wrote on the screen, I close it away. Trusting God doesn't eliminate problems. I wish I could tell you it does. It doesn't eliminate problems. But here's what it does. It doesn't eliminate it, but here's what it does. Trusting God is a choice to believe that God will use my problems for a greater purpose. He's gonna use your difficulties and your problems for a greater, greater purpose. Listen, wherever you are, God has not brought us and he's not brought you this far to fail you not brought us as far to fail you. He's not going to fail you and he's not going to fail me, but I have to be willing to say, God, I put my faith and my trust in you. So get your faith up, strengthen your faith to believe that God will do what he said he will do. Lord, would would you stand with me this morning? And I'd make this prayer where you're standing right now. This is what I would challenge you to ask God. God, help me with my unbelief. Right there where you're at. Maybe that's a simple, simple prayer. God, help me with my unbelief. Because if I was really believing, and I think we all have that unbelief in our heart and mind. There's areas of that unbelief. And I'm just thinking, what a great prayer. God, help me with my unbelief. Whatever area that may be, help me today, God, to believe in you. I am going to live by faith. So Lord, our prayer today for your church and for your people is that faith, the word faith does not become a buzzword. That faith to us, the word faith does not become a cliche Christian thought. But that faith would become a true reality that we need every single day in our lives. That we wake up every morning humbled saying, God, give me faith. I need faith to believe. I need faith to move forward. I need faith to have greater life that you have destined for me. I need faith. And if you're in the room today, you say, Pastor Heath, just look around and you say, listen, Pastor Heath, I need faith today. If that's you, man, I just want to put your hand up. I need faith today. 
I just need faith. Anyone else? I need faith. Come on. It's your opportunity. I need faith. I need faith to believe. God, I pray over your people today. You're a good God. We love you. And there are people in here today that just say, I need faith in my life. I just need faith. It's missing. For some, it could be an issue of like, I I don't know Jesus. I don't know God. I'm not living for him. For other of us, it's like, I live for him, but my faith is just not on the strength level. Help us to have that faith today. So if you're in the room today and you need Jesus in your life, that maybe you raise your hand because you're like, I'm just far away from God and you need him in your life. I pray right where you're asked, right where you're sitting, say, God, would you forgive me? Would you call me your friend? Would you make me in right relationship? Help me to have faith in you. Maybe you're in the room today and you're like, hey, I just need more strength. I pray your prayer would just be, God, help me to build the faith. Whatever it may be, maybe I gotta serve. Maybe I gotta spend more time with you. Maybe I gotta just verbally tell myself, God, I need faith. But whatever it takes, God, I pray that you would take a church collection of people to make us stronger make us bolder, make us more confident Lord allow us not to be dictated by fear but allow us to be dictated by belief in this room today because you're that good so my final prayer is if there are those in the room today that just uh, are walking through challenges and valleys and seasons but I pray they'll put their hope and faith in you Lord we'll see you lift us up you'll strengthen us and all glory will go to you all honor will go to you because of how good you are let us be counted as your friends let us be counted as people of faith in spite of the facts in spite of what we see in spite of what we hear our faith and trust is in you Lord we love you today and we honor you I pray blessings upon your people Lord may your face shine upon them may you go before them may you sustain them and may you keep them be lifted high and we give you all honor and we give you all glory in Jesus name everybody said amen amen if you're here this morning and you just want prayer uh, Pastor Matt one of our youth pastors Pastor Steve one of our seniors associates uh, some of our uh, staff as our other leaders are around if you want prayer this morning uh, just find them over in a corner somewhere we'd love to just pray with you other than that thank you for being here we'd love to serve you anything we can do to help you uh, we have Wednesday night services. We have all things going on. And, and uh, if you're a part of a member, we'd love to see, we have to, love to see you back tonight at 4 o'clock. Other than that, God, go before you. Go live by faith. Amen. God bless you. This is the Christian Life Center weekly podcast. Visit us online at MissoulaChurch.com.